1: everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala. I know too much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And with me, as always, via Zoom video chat is someone who is on the diametric opposite, although she knows more than she probably wants to at this point. It's Kristen Sutter. Hi, Kristen
2: that is me hello hi joe uh, you you,
1: you, sound, you sound like you're uh, down in the dumps well,
2: you just reminded me of how much i know about the rock hall and it bummed me out. Yeah. i was like think of all the space in my brain it's taking
3: up
1: yeah so many other things that you could devote your time and energy to and yet here i am forcing you to do this on a weekly basis at this point Depends. for well over two years
2: god wow Hey, the consistency is great.
1: We, we all need ritual. Uh, he, uh, so we have a very special episode, Kristen. Uh, perhaps <laughs> you, could, you could say doubly so. Not only do we have uh, someone from the nominating committee joining us, we have two people from the current nominating committee joining us. Very excited to have them both I, I'm trying to, I'll, I will start with the person who's been on the nominating committee the longest, which is music executive for, formerly of MTV and VH1, has been on the nominating committee, by my information, since 2016. It's Sandy Alouette. Hi, Sandy.
0: Hi, Joe. Hi, Kristen. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. We're doing, We're doing all doing right. We're our best. We're so
1: happy <laughs> you can join us. Our listeners don't know this, but we had uh, quite a technical hurdle to, <laughs> to overcome, to get you here, but here you are.
0: We sure did. I, I recruited my husband and my 13-year-old, and between the three of us, we could just not figure out why Zoom was not cooperating, but lo and behold, here I am.
1: <laughs> uh, against against all odds. Here, here she is.
0: Against all odds. <laughs> and next,
2: he'll introduce the person who's been on the Zoom call the longest.
1: <laughs> yeah, correct. Someone who has uh, spent already... Way too much time with us than she probably wanted. Uh, who's been on the nominating committee since 2018 uh, and is a longtime journalist for Hits magazine? It's Karen Glauber. Hi, Karen. Hi.
3: Hi there. How are you? By the way, please don't accuse me of being a journalist. That would imply <laughs> that I'm impartial. And yeah, Hits is a music trade magazine, and I'm just finishing up my 30th year there. Wow. I refer to it as the career cul de sac.
1: okay yeah
3: very hard to leave now I have a question so Kristen what is the thing that you're interested in that you have a podcast on that you may subject Joe to every week
2: yeah it's going to be one mostly about
3: choreography
2: (laughs) (laughs) you know everybody loves to listen to people describe dance (laughs) but that would be that would be my podcast (laughs)
3: Well, Sandy and I studied under Twyla, so we may, but we did not. But we (laughs) made lots of
2: moves. I went like, (gasps) no. Mostly, what I taught, what I bring to this podcast is a wide knowledge of who choreographed what music video and how they looked doing it.
1: Yeah, when Janet was inducted uh, in 2019, we we certainly covered the what Kristen refers to as the eras of the different choreographers for Janet. There are
3: many. Yeah,
1: was news to me. Uh, But, uh, Karen, if if I can't call you a journalist, do you have a a term that you prefer?
3: The interface between art and commerce. Okay. Does that work?
1: (laughs) I mean, that's up to you. Uh, uh,
3: (laughs) The the goddess of the unrecouped.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. This this got very poetic.
3: Something like that. Uh, The cockroach of modern rock. Anything
2: but a journalist. She'd rather be a cockroach of modern rock than a journalist. Thank you very much. Yeah.
1: Uh, Well, I want to talk about, uh, I gave you obviously both brief introductions, but I would like to give you guys an opportunity, especially for our listeners who do not know you, to give kind of your backstory of your involvement in the music industry. And we can can start with you, Sandy.
0: Sure. Um, Well, I've been in the music industry for, gosh, over 30 years now, Um, starting in the early-ish 80s working at a radio station um, and then that was a short stint. And then really the bulk of my career, or I should say the most illustrious of my career was working under Seymour Stein at Sire Records. I was at Sire with a little bit of reprise, but really mostly Sire from 1985 to 2000. And I'll, I'll circle back to that in a moment because Seymour really is the connective tissue to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. After I left my record label stint, I worked at VH1 and MTV from 2000 till top of 2017. And currently I'm a freelance talent booker and producer. Um, So that's that's me in a nutshell. Uh, But Seymour being one of the founders of the Rock and Roll Hall of Mm -hmm. Fame really exposed me to this institution from the earliest of earliest moments. Yeah. Um, as his executive assistant, I was taking dictation, um, you know, letters to Jan Wener and Amit and all the other uh, founding fathers and sisters, or maybe just one sister back then, about all things formation of this foundation. And then lots of talk about the building of the museum. So. Yeah, th- this, this thing has kind of been in my blood for a long, long time. And then, as you pointed out earlier, in 2016, I actually became a nominating committee member.
1: Yeah, a long time coming. If, if you were <laughs> seated at the right hand of Seymour Stein uh, at the creation of this, were you a voter before you were on the committee?
0: I was not. Nope, I was so jumped to varsity. straight <laughs> to the pros.: <laughs> Yes, I was not a voter, but I did feel really up close and personal, and certainly had the pleasure and privilege of getting to go to all of the induction ceremonies, um, yes. starting out usher, like literally signing people in and telling them what table and rubber chicken they could, you know, go to. Yeah. Um, I, I grew through the ranks and grew up and around um all of it, you know. Seymour's hard hat from the ground cutting ceremony in Cleveland sat on my desk for years. Wow. Oh, wow. Joe's gonna be bidding on that on eBay someday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: That's do we know amazing. where that do we know where that hat is now? You know, <laughs>
0: I, I wish I had my little grubby paws on it. I think Seymour probably does.
1: Yeah. And so Karen, let's uh let's pivot to you. At that, at that point, let's say late 80s when the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame becomes a thing, where are you? In your- I
3: was working at A&M Records and I was running the new music marketing department and signing a lot of alternative acts and working with tons and tons of alternative bands. Usually there'd be an extra ticket when the executives would get to go. There'd be one ticket that would stick me in the back. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to go because it was the same kind of thing like when I was a kid I used to do fake A&R Like when I was a little kid, I was like if I had a label what bands would I sign and then once the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Existed and I went to college in Oberlin So and I got I started AM A&M Records in Cleveland. So I have an enormous affinity oh, yeah. For Cleveland in that scene and I had booked a club in Cleveland. I knew so I had spent a lot of time in sort of that scene so That was kind of exciting to me, but when the the Hall of Fame started, I would be like, who would I wanna put in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? That was my idea of fun, is to create lists of artists that I would want to be in. Oh, and so
2: you are speaking Joe's language.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry about that. Sorry. I love
2: it. No, no, I think it's great. I think it's great. I think it's probably very validating and edifying for Joe to hear that other people uh, would make Hall of Fame fantasy lists. Uh, it's why we started the podcast to seek out uh, weirdos like yourselves.
3: Thank you. You know, like, my background's college radio and my background is always independent and alternative music, so I'm a music nerd and there are certain ones among us who hang out in record stores are very, it's almost like the scene in Diner where he just won't have anybody touching his records. I am that person. I've never merged my collection with anybody. I am very, very specific <laughs> about my opinions on music and, and how things should be. So after eight years at A&M and, you know, sitting in the back with the with the wait staff, when I moved over to HITS, I was invited to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with an old boss of mine who was managing a brand new band called The Counting Crows. And they were going to be performing for Van Morrison's induction.
1: Right. We and actually so talked got, to Joel Gallen about this. Uh, when he was Yeah, at, so uh, I
3: got to ago. go and sat with the band because I was... Getting to know those kind of friends with them it was way before the record had come out, and I had a slightly better table not great, but slightly better incrementally and,
1: making your way. You
3: know, it became kind of aspirational. You know, some people want nice jewelry, cars, whatever. I always wanted a seat at the table. This was like my fantasy, my fantasy league, uh, would be the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And through someone that Sandy and I both know, Rick Krim.
1: He was also I a friend of ours. We
3: also know Rick, yeah. Yeah, right. So I bugged Rick to be a voter for the longest time. Finally, maybe four or five years ago, he let me be a voter.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's With all it stipulate. takes is to bug Rick. I was Rick. like,
3: Joe, <laughs> exactly. And
2: we've already bugged Rick several times.
3: <laughs> well, I, I had I have a title that's sort of impressive to those that don't know what I actually do. So Mm -hmm. it seems like he could justify putting it through, and then cockroach of
2: modern rock. (laughs) Yes,
3: it's very good. And then there's a president, there's some company president of his magazine. So for whatever that's worth, that he could push that through, through. And I knew Sandy a little bit through Rick, and just by visiting VH1, and we'd see each other. We always kind of, I always had enormous admiration for her, but she always talked to my bosses, so we were not close but she advocated for me to be on the nominating committee so she's the reason I'm there
1: well, hey, that's really sweet.
3: She, she went straight
2: to varsity, and she looked back and said, "Who can I bring up from the from the, the back of the room. Yeah. yeah. I'm <laughs> making like... a lot of sports analogies, which is incredibly unlike me. <laughs> but, but yeah, I don't know. It it it's feels working. Right. I think it's working, and I don't think I've said anything wrong yet. Like in, I haven't made an incorrect reference, so that feels good.
1: Yeah. If Kristen, if you're messing up, we'll have our listeners tweet at us. <laughs> uh, please let us know if any analogies, because they're the ones who would definitely know. The Rock hall oh, yeah. definitely the ones who we would come... know sports. Sandy, you you join, and then a, a few years later, Karen joins. Do you, do you guys feel like you are allies in the nominating committee?
0: Uh, I certainly would say so. I mean, Karen and I, you know, we walk into that boardroom, the nominating committee annual meeting, and we're like, all right, we have to sit next to each other or at least just one person apart. And I think forming alliances really, (laughs) I think, makes a difference, you know, not to sound so hokey, but, you know, I think the moral support of knowing that there's someone else in the room who shares your vision or who champions the folks that you're behind really makes a difference. And, you know, rah-rah female energy in that room, there's not a lot of us. And I'm a I'm a girl's girl, so I, I definitely enjoy having Karen's energy in that room.
1: Yeah, that that's great. I can imagine being in that room, regardless of who you are, it could feel judgmental. Just because you, you have a lot of people, and a lot of them literally are critics. The word critic is in what they do. So there's a critical eye kind of looking at you, and to have someone there that is going to smile when you're talking. Yeah, seems seems like a a good thing to have.
4: Yes.
0: I I don't mean to paint a picture, and Karen can certainly, I hope, echo this. It's not a scary room. It's just one of those jaw-dropping, like, awe-inspiring gathering of folks. I mean, no one sitting at that big table is there sort of haphazardly, you know, And, and there are folks in that room that I've looked up to and admired or listened to on the radio or, 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 you know, read articles from. And I almost have that pinching myself moment, you know, every minute I'm there, like, I'm not worthy to be in this room. Like this is heavy hitter USA. It's,
3: it's numbing in a way because there, these are people that I've written. There's even people that i have written fan letters to as, as oh, a youngin wow. And people who work with artists who are so important to my life, you know, like a John Landau, cause Spring, I grew up on the East Coast, so Springsteen has been part of my life since his first record came out. So to be in that room with him or to be in the room with some of the other people that are there that some of them are actually friends of mine, musicians that I've known, but it's just, it's heavy. And yes, there's that moment of why am I there? And then you have to just say, well, why shouldn't I be there? Exactly. Sort of the yeah. way I've taken my, I've approached my career, which is, it, you may think it's, I mean, I worked at a record company with all men and I'd be sitting at these marketing meetings and they would be like, why is she here? And it never once occurred to me that I shouldn't be there, which drove them crazy. They hated that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure.
3: I don't think, when you talk about women, I don't think any woman should ever enter a room, whether it's the nominating committee or wherever they are, and feel like, They have to justify their reason for being there. They're there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And there's also this moment, you know, the question of because... It is such a male room, and it's such a male uh, environment. It's kind of like there's a pressure to, in some way, prove yourself or to look out for each other or whatever. And like, yeah, I look forward to a day when there isn't that. When it's just face value, nobody would question why there would be parity, like why there would be equal amount of men and women, or why there would be more women than men, or you wouldn't assume too that the women would have to look out for each other because right now it, it, it can feel that way I, it, or it sounds that it, it can and I know from experience in comedy it can feel that way mm-hmm. but
3: um you well know, that's it, actually very different than it was when I was coming up in the industry where women were competing for these limited spaces and the same way with women who would be inducted to, into any kind of whether it's rock and roll hall of fame or grammy nominations or whatever it's there should be competition but I think Especially in the last maybe five years or so, I think women have found that if they work together, that working against each other is a dynamic that men have set up. That there can yeah. only be one roo- woman that there in the room, only room be or one, one woman, woman on a committee, room. or one woman who's is um, inducted into anything at any given year. So yeah, <laughs> I think it's changing. Oh, I also
2: think what an interesting uh, segue and in topic to talk about too with the female inductees and the dearth of them you know and that idea it it can really seem that way when you look at the complete history of this institution that it feels it can feel like there's a token slot you know you can have one woman maybe two but you can i mean has there ever been more than two inducted in a year joe will know
1: I mean if you think about like Heart, which has two women and then Donna Summer no, was also that year. I mean separate yeah. inductees. Um you'd you'd have to like like we talked about ninety three where you have like Edda James and you have Ruth Brown and then there are women in Sly and the Family Stone, although they aren't like at the front. So like yeah, they're you'd not have to sly. <laughs>
2: they're Yeah, they, they don't have family. their
1: literal name. Yeah. You you have to <laughs> dig around, but it, it doesn't happen that frequently like again you have to get lower onto the the list of band members to to get hit those numbers.
3: I think in any me and Sandy can speak to this better than I but I think when you walk into that meeting I think there's some awareness of, of where things are in the world culturally and where they are in music culturally at that very moment and I think you have to be aware of it and then there's other considerations personal considerations or who have we missed. Mm -hmm. Who should be in that hasn't had that opportunity yet? I mean, if you look at, we take it to the Grammys a second, if you look at all the nominees for the rock performance of the Grammys are all women this year. Mm -hmm. Is that a conscious effort on their behalf? My guess is yes. That was something that they chose to do.
2: I guess a thing that I, I am curious about too, that I wonder, I feel often like it falls to women to advocate for women and I I don't think that's necessarily fair, and I don't want to um, pigeonhole you guys to be like, oh, so how do you feel about the number of women who have been included? I ask these questions to the men as well. I wish that I did that. That it didn't feel like, oh, great, we have two women on from the Nomcom, like. I've got to really ask them all my questions about women's inclusion in the hall and gender parity as far as the nominees are concerned and the inductees are concerned, you know, because we hear, I hear a lot, you know, that like, you know, we nominate and then it's up to the voters, the voters, we just like let the voters decide. And I hear that and stuff, but, you know, then sometimes do you do a Grammys and make all female nominees? You know, do you make all nominees of color? I talk about this a lot, that I think that the only way to really do some major course correction would be to have ballots that are incredibly stacked and loaded to, to make that happen. That's-
0: I mean, one thing I will say, kind of in defense of how it all shakes out in that room, it, it really doesn't fall um, along party lines. And I'll, and I'll give you like a real example. My very first year in that room in 2016, I, I decided I'm, I'm gonna advocate for Janet Jackson. And it just it didn't didn't work out that year. A few years later, a gentleman in the room advocated for Janet and she did end up on the ballot and the rest is history. There are folks in that room who you would think would only advocate for rock from the late 60s to late 70s, and then they'll just throw a complete curveball and advocate for, a, you know, an alt-country legend. So I do think, how do I word this? I just think that that's sort of a pleasant residue, if you will, of, of how it works in the room.
1: Yeah, and it should not, be like Kristen was saying, it, the idea of having a good, varied uh, ballot with a lot of different genres and female representation and representation from groups and artists that aren't just white should fall on everyone. Like that is a responsibility for everyone. And to put that and to tokenize it, it is a disservice and it doesn't really accomplish anything. So you you mentioned that you, you brought up Janet at yeah. one point and we applaud you and we thank you.
2: <laughs> yeah, ahead. I literally was like gonna put my little Zoom reaction in. I was like, yeah. <laughs> give, it a th- give it a thumbs up.
1: Yeah do you do you guys feel comfortable with sharing who you've brought up in the past at these nominating committees?
3: I'm deferring this, Andy.
0: <laughs> well, I'm going to answer your question with a question. I know you've spoken with the likes of Rick and probably Amy. some. Other, have others? Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, some have and some haven't. Seymour always tells us exactly who he's going to bring up. Uh, and he comes with a folded sheet of notebook paper <laughs> and crinkles it out and tells us, "I think Rick has taken credit for in the past prog rock acts." He ma- he kind of made that pretty clear that like Genesis yes, and Yes Rush, was all his for sure Yes. Yeah, that that was, you know, you can you can thank him.
0: <laughs> oh. I let the cat out of the bag as far as Janet goes and um, I'll, I'll let another cat out of the bag. For for years, I wore the Depeche Mode shirt, hat, flag, um, <laughs> and, and really felt strongly. And then I would, you know, each year think, well, do I bring him up again? Like maybe the universe is saying not so much, but I didn't want to jump ship because I really believed strongly. And mind you... Others in the room did as well. You know, I think rarely is it a case of there's just one lone ranger just advocating for an artist without any amount of consensus. But, you know, I, I worked with these guys over my many years at Sire. So I certainly had that relationship. I'm a fan, and I really believed in their rightful place in the Hall of Fame. So I'm just thrilled that it, it finally worked out. Planets aligned.
1: Yeah. Completely. And yeah, the, the only thing is that we didn't get a performance. And that's the the big bummer, but.
0: The heartache of, yeah, the heartache of 2020 for
2: sure. I loved their acceptance speech though. Their Zoom acceptance speech was a true highlight for me. I thought you could tell how much they really like each other and it was just so sweet to see them like interact in a genuine way that was, and I liked the the documentary about them too. The, I thought it really gave me an insight into why.
3: There's been a lot of great feedback, even though it doesn't exactly capture the energy of being in the room, but there was a lot of great feedback about the way they handled this year's induction. And I think for me, even someone in the business I learned about, I know way more about the Doobie Brothers than I did before. And certainly Notorious B.I.G. I know, I mean, I came away just loving him and doing the deep dive into his music that I probably hadn't done before. So I thought... It was handled, I thought Joel Gallon did just an incredible job on it.
1: agreed yeah the the task at hand was not an easy one, and, and what what they pulled off it, it was uh It was good, and I think it will that ceremony will probably withstand the test of time better than even though I prefer obviously the live ceremonies, and I think that is really the the draw for the entire reason why any of this happens. There is something about this this year's that I think will. It'll exist as both like a representation of what 2020 was and it, I think can also be obviously enjoyed just on the level of it being like a, a fun rock doc. Uh, Karen, Sandy was a nice- Yes. She, Sandy was nice enough to tell us who <laughs> she has advocated for in the past. Would you, would you like to take a moment and also maybe reveal anything?
3: Look, I, I think I, it's weird when we talk about people advocating for artists in the 60s and the 70s, you know, I, I will always be, think about the influencers, you know, the real influencers and not so, yeah, I don't know how many Instagram followers they have, but <laughs> I, you know, will certainly support anyone advocating for Roxy Music or T-Rex you know those were two that definitely I thought deserved to be in there's always a strong sense in the room that this will be the MC5's year um, (laughs) you know that and
2: how many times have they been nominated is it like five
3: it's not the territory for sure You know, I will, I was not wearing my Todd Rundgren sweatshirt today because it was a little warm, but I will always, you know, for me, that is my cause celeb is, is Todd Rundgren in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
2: Mm-hmm. I always think so, he's already in. Every yeah,
1: single.
2: Year, year when we do the draft, I, I either I pick him, I bet on him, or I assume that he has been inducted and it
0: hasn't happened yet. Th- that happens so often. I'll be driving with my husband listening to some classic rock and he'll turn to me or vice versa like he's in or she's in or they're in, right? It's like, "Uh, yeah." And then you Google and it's like, "Wait, no." That happens a lot. Yeah. Now I, you can just text Joe. You
3: don't right. even
1: have
0: to Google. Now
3: that I have become to, I that
1: that function <laughs> for a lot of people. <laughs>
2: That's like really a lot of our friends are texting Joe. Like, oh yeah, so uh, this person's in, right?
1: I am pretty good at at being able to give the binary of yes, no on on anybody. We have a lot to talk about. Why don't we take a quick break though? Uh, And then when we come back, we will keep this discussion going. So don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We hope you had a nice break. We hope over your break, you, what do we hope they did, Kristen?
2: I hope that you discovered that you and your very dear friend are wearing the same shirt. I hope you really enjoyed it.
1: Well, look,
3: all the men would wear Armani suits as their uniform for so many years in the music business. And there's a brand called R13 that both Sandy and I are fans of independently but the first time i think we went into a meeting we're both wearing the brand and it's become sort of a thing and this is although Billie eilish is totally rocking she's completely stolen our look she's been rocking the r13 i mean she's absolutely she has she, really she has is. a lot of nerve,
0: really. <laughs> yeah.
3: you. <laughs> you heard it I here. Know. We just broke the story.
2: We know We know yes. who her f- uh, fashion icon truly is. Yeah,
1: the, the, the true style icons. Duo
2: Obviously. Um, Definitely. Are, these, are
3: these shirts R13? Are they right yeah, now? Yeah, they are. Okay. And there is an uh, I was thinking of you, Joe, because I have the R13 Love Will Tear Us Apart sweatshirt, and we had had a conversation, which you see as an omission as being... Um, Joy Division New Order.
1: Yes, I do. From the Absolutely.
3: Hall of Fame. So, I, oh, if it was not 80 degrees here today, I would have been wearing my R13 size small, which comes down to my knees, level <laughs> terrace apart sweatshirt that you can get on when they, they will uh, text you when they have sales. And that's the best time to buy it. Oh, okay. I'm yeah, getting in because so. I want
2: to be part of this little trio of matching shirts as, as well. I, I we're, really
0: we're happy to have you. And I we're really actually wanted. hoping that someone from R13 um, tunes in <laughs> exactly. and agrees to sponsor us. <laughs>
3: yes, yeah, there you go. Their,
0: we will wear their stuff
3: everywhere. This in fact, I, when I go to the kitchen, I,
1: yeah, <laughs> everywhere. Kitchen, <bad> everywhere.
3: Zoom school, <laughs> whatever it takes, I will absolutely be rocking the R13. Uh,
2: and also, you know, the uh, official nomin- the nom wardrobe provided by R13. I can see it already.
3: It'll be happening.
0: Yeah, I see no. the men-
3: Yes. The men wearing the, like, bondage trousers or whatever, like, print is in for the- what was it, the- whatever leopard print thing they've got going on in ECs. I think they'll look delightful in it. I would love
2: it. I would love for men to wear more um, exciting clothing. I think- Well, look at Harry fine. Styles
3: in a Gucci dress on the cover of Vogue.
2: It's happening. We're it's the.
3: Fantastic.
2: The times are changing. It's truly happening. We're seeing much more. I think the next generation is going to show us so much more about what we all uh, have been so narrow about gender and identity. And I think that the kids are showing us that we, it doesn't have
3: to be that way, but, that everything is possible. And it's I mean, there's a generation cool. of women. I was teasing that we're the punk rock moms. You know, but there's I there's a generation of women who came of age in the you know, late seventies, early eighties, into into the later eighties, where Patty Smith was our hero. And though whether it's Chrissy Hine or Patty Smith or even Debbie Harry, whomever it was, there was that kind of bravado and that swagger that women had and that confidence. And that's how I've always you know, I started dressing like Patty Smith when I was a teenager because I thought she was the coolest thing I've ever seen on the Mike Douglas Show in my life. And if you don't know what the Mike Douglas Show is, it was like an afternoon. It was like the afternoon version of what the Ellen Degeneres Show is. It was like a, lo- a really nice host who was originally from Philly. He was a DJ, and he just had on the most mainstream guests. But Patty Smith's mother was a huge Mike Douglas fan, so she would go on the show, and the performances are on YouTube and, and that's what I first, that was my introduction to Patti Smith was being at home while my mom's ironing, watching the Mike Douglas show and seeing, Patty, and I was like, I have no idea is that's a he or a she or what that is, but that is the most compelling person I've ever seen. And that kind of gave me the confidence to be an outlier, a sort of not cute, not you know, mainstream person. And that's where, you know, I love Joe's affection for the Hall of Fame and I love your affection for choreography or things that are not specifically mainstream, even though they are. I mean, rock and roll is supposed to be the best of the best of the best, but you think about how music is a salvation for so many people. I mean, especially think about the pandemic, how we're all living moment to moment and hearing that song or hearing that thing that's getting us through another five, 10 minutes.
2: For Mm -hmm. a while we were doing our our episodes where Joe would put together a playlist themed about the pandemic based like for different years of inductees. So he would go through and like make a playlist, find their most pandemic appropriate song and then play them for me. And we would discuss the artist and kind of like, that was actually a way that we were able to keep the show in those early days you know we yeah. we did take a break but like it was something that really kept us at it I think it's interesting too because yeah I suppose like being edgy and cool and like not mainstream is it is the the central thesis of rock and roll you know and then it's so we talk about this a lot on the show but a hall of fame it's not very rock and roll to want to be in the hall of fame you know it's this thing where it's this big institution cause like the opposite of rock and roll is a big old institution, right? You know, rock and roll says fuck you to an institution and like does its own thing or whatever. So it's like, how does the rock hall stay rock and roll and stay interesting, relevant, vital while at the same time still being like a big institution. It, it's, it's like the central tension of the, of
3: the rock hall. But if you think about some of the inductees, whether it's Whitney Houston, who you wouldn't think of as a rock and roll icon, but in fact, she is, or including more hip hop or even metal or whatever it is, is is, is expanding the narrow definition of what is rock and roll to acknowledge all the influences. Because if you were to look at a streaming chart, or if you're looking at talking to a record company executive, they'll tell you that rock music's absolutely dead. And has no relevance in this current climate. It doesn't stream. It doesn't sell. It doesn't do it. I mean, because you don't have live concerts right now. What do you? How do you define it? And I think that's why it's become more expansive.
2: Yeah, and and also it's like to stay relevant. You know what kids are listening to. What the youth are into is more hip-hop influenced even the rock music that they listen to is influenced by hip-hop it's in everything it's it it is now and so yeah to stay relevant you have to expand the tiny box that you would say what you think of as rock and roll
3: what's interesting in the pandemic though is that the radio format beyond news that's doing the best right now is classic rock is that right It's kids it's kids that are listening to classic rock again and that happened a while ago i think ever since hot topic started selling led zeppelin shirts but Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah
1: right well there's that really popular youtube channel but there was a video specifically of these two young black kids listening to phil collins and freaking out right
3: yeah, they can't like, listen to too many songs by now. Yeah, I think they're now they're sur- they yeah. don't get to listen every day. It's another thing. It's like well, the the element of surprise is no longer there.
1: Yeah, there I mean my <laughs> <at this point. laughs> my, uh, my YouTube algorithm shows me a lot of that that what those kids do. So many people do. There are so many YouTube channels of people who it's either they're young or maybe they grew up on hip hop and they're listening to sound garden for the first time and it's that re- it's that reaction thing of them listening and going like okay oh hell yeah
3: that's why you have children
1: right yeah
3: so you can expose them to- i mean he's mm-hmm. got a teenage girl who's sort of on the cusp of like all of it so she gets to oh yeah her daughter's are you- reaction to things are you blowing she- her
2: mind or does she or is she like enough already
0: you know She's a, she's a big TikToker. She definitely gets turned on, exposed via TikTok, Spotify for sure. So, true story, just like a couple of days ago, she was singing Heart of Glass. So I said, You know who does that, don't you? And she said, uh, Yeah, it's Miley. Miley. And I'm like, uh, Yeah. <laughs> no, no way. There's a Miley cover of Heart oh, of Glass. Oh, yeah. It's, yes. It's, it's big. And it's huge. It's big. I- So, you know, I seize the moment. I'm like, let me play the real heart of glass for you, the original blondie, Debbie Harry. Look, here's a picture of mommy with Debbie Harry. And she's like, Why does your hair look like that? <laughs> you know, and, and and the moment was, <laughs> was gone. Was cool
1: <laughs> so listen, we ha you guys will be attending a nominating committee meeting soon. It okay. will be virtual. It, it, or something. We, I mean, there's no way it will be in person, at least as far as everyone is assuming.
2: Sandy's uh, going to do a dry run and make sure the Zoom is ready to
3: go. Yeah, you better be Could ready, be Sandy. In, we should have <laughs> the NBA bubble.
1: Yeah. Let, let Brilliant. For the nominating committee, uh, <laughs> exclusively get to have a bubble at Disney World. I think that's a good idea.
2: <laughs> I think it's a great idea. I'm
3: um, for
1: it. You've got a committee meeting coming up I'm just curious, all right, where, where's your head at? You're coming into this, you're going to have to bring up some artists. Is your mind already made up? Are you thinking, I mean, do you have names in, from previous years that you know, you're committed to? What's, uh, what's going on?
0: Yeah, I, I have an idea. I think I'm going to stick with someone who I've been championing for the past few years. Um, I just feel like it would be a disservice to kind of abandon and then, you know, for my second, it really is a toss-up. It's it comes down to again driving, listening to the radio. Oh my God, how could this so-and-so not be in? I have to yeah. wave the flag. Right. Um, it also depends on who's eligible this
3: year for the first time. You take that into consideration. You know, I know that I assume that a number of people will bring Jay-Z up right away. Yeah, and that seems he like a lot. Be in. And we, we we're talking, like the things that I, when I talk about influencers, I, I think you also have to balance it with do these artists have, could there be enough of a consensus to actually vote them in? Yeah. Do you want to be obscure and waste your nomination, mm-hmm. you know, for the things that you're passionate about and that maybe deserve to be in but don't have that mainstream appeal. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can kind of tell to some accuracy. Who on the ballot is definitely going to get in, and who is definitely not going to get in? So, and then there, the tricky area is the stuff in between, you know.
3: So, who's getting in this year? Who's tell us then?
1: Well, I mean, when you look at the when you look at the ballot, <laughs>
2: when you look at the ballot, but also, Joe, tell us who's Fye this year, like who's eligible this year.
1: The big ones are Jay Z and Foo Fighters. That's right. Those are those are the two big ones.
2: We do a draft every year and we do Is like there the wagering?
1: Um, you know we have we, we said we were going to put money on it last time. Yeah, And, and I then...
3: won. I would be like I Pete won. Rose. I can't. I'd be like Pete Rose. I would be <laughs> I'd be thrown out forever. I'd be <laughs> Right. Relinquished to signing, you know, sports cards at a terrible place in Caesar's Palace for 20 bucks a pop. I don't think that that would ever be something that I could participate in.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: I'm trying to remember who but I won. yeah I don't you not remember any you of did. the reasons why I my thing is I do a, I, I come on the show, I learn, I talk, and then I forget as much as humanly possible in so the quickly. interim. And, so quickly. Oh yeah. But you
1: had you had Whitney and Biggie. And,
2: and those and that, were that
1: scored two. you big points because we we gave you extra points for someone who had not been on the ballot before. And then you yeah. also you had Todd, which that got you one point because he'd been on the ballot because but you didn't he did get it. Nominated. Uh, and I had, I had Benatar and I had the doobies, but that didn't end up really panning out for me.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you, Joe, like, have you had any years where you're like, there's no way so-and-so is not getting in and OMG, he or she or they did not get in?
1: I've, I was so confident Pat Benatar would get in last yeah. year uh just because it felt like i she- said
2: i would quit the show if, if she didn't get it <laughs> and here i am a woman of of no uh what's the word integrity <laughs> you know what
3: it's it's kind of like after you just have to keep fighting yeah you know, it's like all of us that yeah. we're going to move to canada when trump won we yeah. stuck around yeah and no, nobody
1: did that yeah, th- yeah, there's always one. I can usually get like four out of five or five out of six, whatever the. end. And there's always one. I I thought Rundgren was going to get in in 2019. I thought Radiohead was going to get in 2018. There's out. There's always someone that surprises me, and then and then a welcome surprise that kind of like pops up. Like I was very surprised. Like The Cure is one of my favorite bands, and I thought, given that. The Smiths and Depeche Mode and even The Cure one time before had been passed over so many times. I didn't think the voting body was really ready for that era of music, but it seems like we're in a, we're in a good groove now with The Cure and Depeche Mode. When The Cure and Janet
2: Jackson got in in the same year.
1: Those were our two, those were our number one picks. Uh, That
2: was a good year. I love that.
1: Long before, long before the ballot had even come out, we were, we were praying.
3: I was praying for the zombies for years. Oh, yeah, we were really glad. Because I knew how much they wanted it,
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, how
3: important it was to them, and that's worth a lot. And same, you know, when the cars didn't get in the first year, and I knew how much it meant to some of those members to be in, that it was really very exciting to see them be acknowledged the following year.
1: And you kind of get why Radiohead, a band that should have gotten in their first year of eligibility, but were very publicly like, we're not going to... Go, you you can kind of see why then people would be less inclined to to vote for that. I don't
3: know, Sandy. Do you think that's the case? Do you think people respond to that?
0: I think it's you know I think it's a it's a sliver of the industry that actually pays attention to that that responds to that. I, I don't know. I, I'd like to think that that's not the the nail in the coffin.
1: Sure, like yeah, radio, H- and got in the next year. You know, I th- I think it can maybe it can delay or it can it can be a little bit of a stumbling block so listen there's a there's a nominating committee meeting coming up you may you guys maybe don't have your choices you're talking to some people who think about this year-round maybe i'll just throw out some names <laughs> Great. you don't have to you know you can respond or whatever and i'll i'll and i'll focus on names that have not come up before Oh, i'm like and i and names that i think if they were on the ballot that they would do well you know i'm not going to throw out the obscure groups that are, would likely flounder. Like, I'm surprised the B-52s have never been on the ballot. I think they're a widely beloved band. I, it would also be great in terms of representation. Uh, I, am, I think I wouldn't have to advocate for this year, the Go-Go's. I think somebody's, especially with the documentary, it feels like there is a momentum for that group. Still crazy that they have not been on the ballot yet. One that I, one that might be at the top of my list for induction. I know, Kristen, you always ask me who my number one snub is because it was The Cure for so long, and I didn't I didn't exactly ever refill that slot. But I think I maybe want to throw Cool in the gang up there because they are they had such a long career with so many hits, uh, songs that everybody knows. Thank you. We've got Sandy writing down with a pen. <laughs> And I, you know, I think they, just so many songs that everybody knows, whether it's, you know, Jungle Boogie or Get Down On It or Summer Madness or Hollywood Swinging. But I would, the, the part that I think kind of pushes them over the edge is how important they were to a whole generation of hip hop. Right. There are so many iconic hip hop songs where the foundation of it is a Cool in the Gang riff. And I think that's something that you, if you look at like the top sampled artists of all time, outside of hip hop sampling hip hop. It's like James Brown, Michael Jackson, Cool in the Gang is like right there below them. And then just, I, I, I've gone on about this uh, so many times with Karen on the phone before, uh, Joy Division New Order. Uh, Joy Division New just, Order. They seem like if you're gonna do The Cure and then Depeche Mode, it's like next is either gonna be The Smiths or Joy Division New Order. And I feel very strongly about that slash with Joy Division New Order. To separate them would be pointless. Uh, and then I'll just I'll run these down real quick. I did write them down. Whatever, I'm a dork. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love it. Share, uh, Carly Simon, Barry White, George Michael, and then I and then there's you know there's a few others that I, I got to imagine are going to come up soon like Mariah Carey and Outkast.
0: Oh, it'd be so great. Oh, I gotta I gotta give it to you. You made a really compelling case on Cool in the Gang. I, I admittedly would not have thought of them off the bat, but. Mm-hmm. I like where you're going there, Joe. Thank you. And I feel the same way about
3: Joy Division New Order. I think that's also very compelling. And Kristen, your list.
2: Oh no! I just uh, <laughs> really want Pat Benatar and Chaka Khan to get in. <laughs> they, I, I really, 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 really want them in. I, as, I, the more I think about it, the more I want them in. That, that's my list. My list is those two. I want them yeah. back on the ballot, and I want them both in. Uh, I don't care how it has to happen. Even if you have to put Neil Giraldi and <laughs> Rufus in, like, let's do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you have to attach men to them, <laughs> like,
2: fine. Uh... But put them in, I love them, and they're very important.
1: Yeah, I get this. I think there's, with Shaka, my sense has always been that Rufus is probably, they have the better body of work, but that is a hindrance on the ballot because I think the name Shaka Khan is going to attract more voters than just Rufus, which sadly is a little more obscure. But how do you then reconcile and
2: they've tried it so many ways i mean how many times has in total it's been
1: been rufus four times shaka by herself twice
2: so they've they've tried it a multitude of ways and i'm just like what what's happening here let's go so shaka and pat are my are my they're my current torches for a while it was whitney whitney and janet have were my two that i was like please how let's go and so now that they're in, I can move my attention over to Pat, to Pat and Shaka mm-hmm. and the Go Go's. Gosh, yeah, I really do think that they have a good shot this year.
0: I, I totally sure. agree. Yep, the, the whole the zeitgeist, right? I think yeah, those are just sort of the non tangible. Like, what is it in the universe that makes you know a Pat Benatar pop in 2021 where she didn't pop previously? I mean, it's you, you keep slugging at it right I mean yeah that's, that's you're my right plan. we
2: don't go to Canada we keep putting her on the ballot <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah
0: that's
2: that's what have. Well, that's a MC- really great five. metaphor and I, mean, I like it
3: you can get into fistfights with people over whether or not the MC5 deserved to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame like people are very 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 a certain age of people are very opinionated a certain career path of rock critics are very passionate about it And others would be like, they didn't have any hits, so they don't deserve to be yes. Which,
1: you know, if you're trying to build a case, I mean, that is part of it. The other thing is, like, we can say all we want that, like, who advocated for them in the room? But you need other people to vote to get it on the ballot. And, you know, not one person can unilaterally, you know, make an executive decision.
0: Exactly. I, I would say that, you know, when you're in that room, as I now have been for a few years, you know everyone i think without fail comes prepared everyone brings a compelling case and rarely i mean i can't recall any instance where someone brought up an artist that everyone else in the room was like huh you know you may not have <laughs> thought of cool and the gang right off the bat but within moments you're like of course they're worthy of conversation you know and again as i, as I mentioned earlier it's, it's to me the, the the real fun moments come when someone in that room is advocating for an artist that in a million years, you never would have connected with said person, but just shows the, the, uh, the depth and breadth of the fandom.
1: Well, we can wrap up, but you guys have been to a number of ceremonies and I, if there's any moments or memories that stick out, uh, we would love to hear them.
0: Again, I've had the honor and privilege of going to so many of these Induction ceremonies and the Waldorf Astoria ones were just beyond special Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe a large part of that is, you know, look who was inducted in those early years. I I mean, and there's me you know 20-something me just in complete awe to be in a room within, you know, taking a Kodak Instamatic photo of half of these people at the jam session. Magical, magical, magical. You know, um, but then jumping ahead, I went to the um, 25th anniversary concert at the Garden in 2009 mm-hmm. and seeing Springsteen and Patti Smith perform again, like, oh, my God. I mean, I was there in the room for While My Guitar Gently Weeps, Danny Harrison Iconic, and Prince. Yeah.
1: Incredible. I, mean, yeah.
0: I honestly, I have chills even thinking about it. And then in twenty was it twenty fourteen Nirvana's year? Yeah. Seeing St. Vincent and Joan Jett and Lord and Kim Gordon all do justice—just magical.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. Like, you you you've been there for like all the great all, all the great greatest moments. ones.
0: Yeah. yeah. It, it, it is like an embarrassment of riches, and it's like again, I was I was a happy little usher back in the early early days. Like just to be in that room was. Incredible, and when you look around and see, I mean, I think that the most magical moments have been for me in seeing other musicians geek out for people on the stage. You know, yeah. seeing mm-hmm. like Bono in ecstasy watching whomever up on that stage, or seeing, um, you know, I, I'm blanking on usually
1: Eddie Vetter. Vetter is yeah. usually there, going crazy. Usually
0: Eddie Vedder. <laughs> And, you know, again, seeing, like, my my former boss, Seymour Stein, who is a legend in his own right, seeing him just literally cry watching people perform on stage. I mean, it really is a beautiful moment. I know that sounds so hokey, but it it really, truly is. And seeing Karen and I cry looking at Brian Ferry's face on the Jumbotron screen at Barclays and just salivating. Like... (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't get better than that. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> was
3: <really> fun. <laughs> I mean, especially when you see Duran Brand and Duck, Roxy Music, and again, you talk about influencers. It's like you think about everything that Brian Ferry and Roxy Music influenced. Mm -hmm. All the artists that came after, and you think about Brian Eno or David Bowie or anybody or that, and the same thing, you look at the documentary, you look at the package on on T-Rex and you see the influence that he had and he died so young. And I think that's a part of it is that, you know, when their lives are cut short, so at such a young age, you think about what their potential would have been. Mm-hmm.
2: That was the big takeaway from the Biggie package for me. I when I Definitely. realized that he was only twenty four, I that's amazing. It just shakes me. It, I, I cannot believe it's such a it's such a tragedy to think of what he could have done and been and the music he could be making right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I hate it. Yeah, but you know, the luckily we the music lives on, and with with things like the Rock Hall, we we get to have greater and deeper appreciation uh, of artists. Ones who are with us and ones who uh, we have lost. Uh, (laughs) What
2: a sentimental moment. I'm also like trying to,
1: I'm trying to like wrap up. So I'm trying to like. My final
2: thing will be, I think that um, uh, Joe has been making an excellent case for why he should get a ballot. Uh, and if you have any um you know as loath as I am to see another straight white male vote on anything, uh I think that Joe is uniquely qualified uh for the position. you know, bring him into the minor leagues, you know, and then maybe one day up to the majors. We'll see if if this liter- if our podcast or, you know, bring him to the, get him a press, get us a press uh, credentials to the to the show.
1: That's or Rick's up, job. That's, uh, that's, that's Rick, up to That's Rick. Rick's
3: job and he's been working on it. We'll see. <laughs> I think you're infinitely more qualified than I. And Christian, as are you. Mm. Um, I,
2: I'm qualified to have my own very unique and personal opinions. <laughs> but Joe knows so much about the Rock Hall and like about, and he just, cares so much that like i'm like oh he you know he'd be a great he'd he'd be great at having a ballot i do not disagree with any of the comments just me
1: <laughs> thank you and i did not pay anyone to say any of these things i want to I want to make it abundantly no. clear
2: i have lost a lot of money on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: well sandy and karen i want to thank you guys again so much for joining us this was a, a real treat I and mean, we, we love talking to you guys uh were it, we
3: fun? Are we allowed to come back? You can come back. They still, keep, they still let me on the committee next
1: time? What if, if they kick you off, if they make you the head of the nominating committee, I, either way, you, you guys are, are both welcome back whenever yeah. you want. Well, you can follow our podcast at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can email us rockhallpod at gmail.com. If you want Kristen to see that, you're going to need to designate that somewhere in your message. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us five stars only, please. Anything else is rude. Thank you to Mike Lloyd for the logo. Thank you to Yusuke Kim for the music. And thank you to Pantheon Podcasts for hosting us. I'm Joe Quizala.
2: I'm Kristen Studdard.
1: And who cares
2: about the rock all?
3: Want your business to have the best opportunity for success?